0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. We hope The Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out theringer.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media, and The Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at youtube.com theringer.
1: Podcast, very strange circumstances that we're recording this under. uh, But the world is very strange right now, Tommy.
0: Very very strange.
1: A lot has happened in a week, man. A lot has changed in a week. We're going to get to our guest a little later. Uh, We recorded a podcast with Duncan Robinson about five minutes after we recorded our podcast with Jimmy Butler. So that podcast was shot and recorded two weeks ago. And so, a lot of it may seem slightly irrelevant, <laughs> given what's going on with the coronavirus. Um, but we're going to run it, and we hope that you guys uh, enjoy it. I thought I thought Duncan was a great guest. It was it was a fun it was a fun hey. conversation. We're going to be serious for a few minutes, and then we'll get to uh, maybe maybe a little bit of a just a basketball centered escape for the listener.
0: So yeah, so the, a lot is uh, a lot has happened for all of us in the last. Uh In the last seven or eight days, can you walk us through your day last Wednesday? So that was the day where uh, the league officially decided to shut down.
1: First of all, before we ever got to the arena, they had announced that the Nets and the Warriors were going to play the next night with no fans. You know, and talking with guys, we were all very curious to see how that game was going to look on television and what that viewing experience was going to be like in talking to our head trainer Aaron Nelson and some people in our front office it became like apparent that if there was a positive test for an nba player that they would, it was inevitable they were going to shut the league down and that was like one positive test we're shutting the league down so we're at the arena there was probably you know somewhere around like 60 or 70 on the clock i can't i can't remember the exact time on the clock but we meet at 38 on the countdown clock we're a nationally televised game. So the other ESPN game was on in the locker room. All of a sudden it flips to whatever's going on with OKC jazz. And there's, you know, the the, the byline of, you know, there's a player quarantine or they're, they're testing a player. Uh, and then it comes out a few minutes later that it's Rudy Gobert. He's tested positive. And I was I was standing next to our PR guy and Will. And within like three minutes, he had a memo from the league. That the league had been suspended. So at this point, you know, there's like, you know, 50, 45 on the clock. We're getting ready to, to do our meeting. And they're telling us we have to play that night, that all games are, are suspended except for those games that night. I think for most guys, it was a little surreal. You know, we're, we're watching like a team doctor sprint across the floor, stop, a, stop a game just as you're getting ready to tip it off. And, we ended up at 38 having a normal meeting. You know, Alvin said a few things. Let's go out and play. But you could tell like we were all a little... We were all shook, man. It was, yeah. it was a weird feeling for sure. And then, you know, we finished our meeting at 25 on the clock. At about 20 on the clock, like we're all just kind of sitting there. Nobody's really like that anxious to go out on the court. There's 20,000 fans out there. Um, I think we're all now... Whereas even two or three days prior, we're all now sort of sort of grasping the severity of of this virus and and the seriousness of this virus that maybe we didn't quite get a week prior, and and the league had been good about uh, you know providing guidance and the teams were meeting with us and giving us information, but you know that's when it became very serious, and then we're getting ready to go out finally to the hallway to do our prayer, go out for warmups. And Aaron Nelson sprints through the locker room to try to find David Griffin. <laughs> and, and that's when we found out Courtney Kirkland had ref, ref the Jazz game. So then we were having a conversation in the locker room, like, you know, I don't think it's safe to play. No one felt like it was safe to play. Had the NBA made us play, we would have hooped. But I know a lot of guys expressed concern that, that they didn't, they didn't feel like it was safe to go out and play, not just for us, but, but for, for anyone, anybody that was in that arena that night.
0: Were you guys in contact with anybody from the outside world while this was happening? Like, were you getting texts or calls or anything? I I mean, I was
1: texting with my family, I guess, you know, Chelsea and, and some close friends and then my brother and parents and sisters and stuff like that. I texted CP later that night, probably an hour or two after, you know, we had left the arena. And he had either just left the arena or was just getting ready to leave the arena it had been tested, but they they had said he could go home
0: uh did they test you
1: guys? No, they didn't test us. I don't think there was a reason to test us through where yeah. what I know, there's no link you know from our team and our traveling party to sort of any of the other teams that have had had positive tests so far um, yeah. but yeah, so you know we 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 left we were supposed to go to Utah, our Utah was our next game, right, and we were supposed to go to Utah. Uh, that night had, we had to wait till 11 p.m. but we took the red eye back to new orleans thursday was kind of a nothing day friday we came in and met and by this time friday you're realizing across the country like this is getting pretty serious and and by sunday you know i think pretty much everyone in the country that follow has been following this realizes like there's there's a the definitive need for for isolation and and social distancing and uh, a little bit of self self-quarantining if if you're feeling symptoms and all that. And uh, I think everybody sort of gets this. I mean, you and I talked a bunch over the last few days. I know you're taking this very seriously.
0: Yeah, it's well, it, I think one of the things which is just incredible about what's sort of happened over the last week is just how fast everything has happened. But bo- but both how fast and how slow everything seems like every day feels like it's a week with all the news and everything like that. But you know, we were together in New Orleans last weekend, uh, and I don't think anybody thought that this was a possibility. You know, it wasn't that we were, it's not like we don't pay attention to the news.
1: You know, we just, it's just... I, the possibility that I was, I kept saying like early last week, even probably the weekend prior to, to Wednesday night, last Wednesday, I was like, yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like it's inevitable that at some point we're, we're playing in an empty arena. Nowhere yeah. in my mind was I like, oh, this thing is getting shut down, much less the entire sports industry, the entire service industry. Uh, it, it's it's insane. The entire
0: country, basically. The entire without country. A, a, yeah. With, I mean, other than it,
1: other than Amazon down warehouses. Down been, yeah. Other than yeah. Amazon warehouses. You know, How this, you but I that? drove. I drove. I left New Orleans. I wanted to be with my family in a place where I felt was safe. Wow. We're at an undisclosed location right now. But I left. Uh, I left New Orleans and, and drove basically 21 hours straight. I stopped and slept for a few hours. It was incredible to me how many tractor trailers were on the highway. Well, who else was so, – so walk us through – because we talked
0: a lot during that drive, but walk everybody through doing that because that's a, that's a unique – you were not alone in that, but not very many people have been on a trek like that over the last week. In fact, most people have been doing the opposite, which is just hunkering down wherever they are.
1: Well, I mean, the decision for us was like, do we stay in New Orleans or do we go somewhere else? And, you know, part of the issue for us and, you know, a lot of people have this issue. If you live in an apartment, we live in in an apartment in New Orleans. It's not a very big. And, you know, we have two kids. They're two boys under six. There's no park nearby. There's nowhere to really walk around that area that's safe. It's downtown, you know, and so. You know, there's, there's, it's New Orleans, like there's going to be traffic, there's going to be cars coming in and out, like, there's no way for us to like, really hunker down there and stay sane. So we decided, you know, if the NBA would allow us to leave our home city, like we had a safe place to go. uh, Let's go to that safe place. I think I drove through like 11 states. (laughs) like uh it was i mean it was an interesting trip you know i got to see a lot of america i feel like (laughs) so it was tractor trailers or what else tractor trailers like legitimately 75 percent of the traffic was tractor trailers and you just and you just you just cycled calls it feels like the whole time i listened to some podcasts (laughs) none of my (laughs) own none of our own but i did listen to some podcasts um and then i i caught up on some calls um i think you and i talked like four times
0: well the thing is I'm sitting I'm sitting at home doing nothing. I mean that's what everybody is doing. So you're like you're like I hope I'm not bothering you. You're like bother me. I'm sitting I'm just, I'm just watching these press conferences,
1: just watching the paint dry. There's nothing else going on. I was very strategic in stopping for gas and I really didn't eat on the trip cuz I didn't I didn't want to go to a place that I felt like was unsanitary. So there was a lot of like pistachios and almonds that I ate in the car. Um but I did have to stop one time to get to get gas. And, um, we had like literally one thing of paper towels, bounty paper towels that we we had put in the car and I put it for whatever reason in the front seat sticking on my bag. Oh, no. <laughs> and as soon as I pulled into the gas station, this woman was smoking a cigarette at a gas station, which isn't always <laughs> the safest thing, but she was smoking a cigarette at the gas station. <laughs> and she was like, she points at me. She's like, Hey, where'd you get that? And I was like, Uh, where'd I get what? She's like the toilet paper. It's a paper towel, but, uh, I got that in new Orleans. And then she asked me, are you, she asked me where I was going. And I, and then I I told her and she's like, are you in the military or something? And I didn't know if that was code for, (laughs) 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 but the toilet paper thing is serious, man. I'm not even, I'm I'm laughing about this because it it was a very surreal question to be asking someone at two o'clock in the morning. Um, but it, the, the toilet paper situation, uh, the food, I mean, people are freaking out, man.
0: How are you handling the, and I think this is a question everybody has for themselves. How are you handling the anxiety of paying attention to what's going on, but then also not watching
1: the news all day? I feel like when I was in new Orleans, like I was just, there wasn't anything else to do. So I was looking at my phone all day long, which wasn't healthy. We started homeschooling the kids this morning, <laughs> which uh, that going? It was, it was great, man. It was great. Morning meeting. Uh, we have a word of the day. Today's word of the day was respect. And then we, we learned the meaning of the word, how it applies to each kid's life.
0: Doesn't this give you so much more? And I know you had this to begin
1: with, but does this give you so much more of a respect for teachers having told, to do this? I told, I told Chelsea and her sister this morning, I said, you guys should have been teachers. They're, they're amazing. Met Knox and I did a math lesson this morning. Um, I think I might do some geography with them uh, later this afternoon. There's a lot of people you talk about respect. I have a lot of respect. I've always had a lot of respect for teachers and educators, but there's a lot of people that specifically in the service industry that are are really hurting right now. You know, I know down in new Orleans, a lot of the the restaurant owners and restaurateurs are, are pleading with, with governor Edwards to provide some sort of relief for them. Um, and you know, a lot of that has to be, to be instant because, you know, a lot of these people are paid on hourly wages and their, their job at whatever restaurant or whatever bar is, is their is their lifeline and, and it's been taken away right now. And uh, it's, you know, I know for a lot of people, it's scary right now in New York, we another place where, where we live. Um, you know, that whole industry has just been decimated. Who knows how long this thing's going to last. And, and you're, you have relationships you know, in that industry, you know, if you can figure out what you and I do and we're, we're figuring out ways in which we can help people that we, we love and care about. Um, you know, I think if you have relationships with a listener, if you have relationships and you can do something, uh, please do that. Um, if you, uh, have relationships with your local government and there's ways you think that they can help, please do that. Um, there's a lot of people that need, need help right now. Uh, the other thing is like Chelsea and I, um, we decided to, to partner with the local second harvest food bank down in new Orleans. And, uh, you know, we're going to provide some meals for some people over the coming months. Um, so a lot of people don't have anything extra right now, but if you do feel like you have something extra to give, um, you know, contact your local food bank, there's elderly people, there's kids who get their meals from school um obviously the homeless people there's all sorts of people that that need food right now um and if you can if you can give please give
0: well i would also say twofold i mean i think one of the things we're going to do with the show over this uh this extended hiatus sort of everybody is is feature a couple of voices from that world um who have specific organizations that uh people can help with but then also you know send stuff to us uh on social and twitter instagram all that stuff and we'll retweet it and try to help amplify this stuff as much as possible because i think that one of the things with everybody sitting at home is a lot of people are sitting there wondering how they can help uh and they feel kind of you feel anxious for yourself and your family but also like we all know what a sort of decimation this is going to do to the service industry And so I think just communication about knowing like, okay, this is an an organization in New Orleans or in whatever city and just amplifying that and allowing people to generously give money and and time and all those things to try to sort of like make things better, even in a small way, is really important. And we have to announce – so we started the book club. City of Thieves by De- by David Benioff. Uh, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. We want to give people a little bit of time to read it and get situated and everything like that. But I, I do think that people will enjoy it. I've read the book. Have you read the book? I'm in the process of reading it right now. Have you laughed yet? I laughed on page four.
1: I feel like the, my big takeaway from that book the first time I read it was how funny it was. It's an incredible s- story. And it's, I guess, loosely based on David's grandfather who was in Russia, uh, during world war II, but yeah, it's an incredible, incredible book. He's, an,
0: he's a, he's an incredible writer. I mean, it goes without saying when you look at the stuff that he's done, but you can tell, you could tell from page, you can tell on page one. I think that, I think whoever wants to sort of read along with this, will see this, how, uh, how quick he is and how quick the book is. I mean, you can get through it if you really want to, you can probably get through it in two days. I mean, it's really it's really like a fun read.
1: Yeah, I've already had a couple of people reach out to me that saw that we were doing this for the book club that have already finished it. So it's a quick. Read.
0: Are you? Can you exercise?
1: I have I have a private I have a place to get my stuff done. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. going to shoot with some highly sanitized uh, basketballs in a sa- sanitized location here in a little bit, and then it'll just be a lot of like prison workouts in this little place that we're staying in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> gotta, do <it. laughs> just you gotta do it
1: prison just like push-ups and maybe even do a sit-up for the first time and what 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 are you doing what like what is your plan have you left I the know. house by the way have you left the house i've gone for runs okay besides
0: that no not really i mean i think i think that like with me personally like i'm still working you know so i still it's not that i'm doing nothing all day. Uh, but I'm a, I wouldn't, I'm not an extrovert, but I'm a pretty active person in terms of moving around in general, in terms of seeing people and things like that. And so, uh, and obviously I travel a lot. And so I think it's definitely been a challenge in terms of just doing none of that whatsoever. But I think you can just get used to it. You know, this is, I think we, all we all have to realize is like, we're going to be in this for a, the long haul, Adjust accordingly
1: mentally. I like, by the way, so today is, today's Thursday, right? Yeah. So I I was listening to podcasts on my drive on Monday. People were talking about like, well, how are you handling the this, the the self quarantining, and how are you handling the so? And it was like day three, and you're like, guys, it's like, <laughs> like we got a ways to go. We got yes. a ways to go. Here's my. It's not a take. It's more of like an like a feeling, or more like just being inquisitive, like curious. I'm very curious to see. How people's mindsets and priorities may or may not change over the course of these weeks. You know, I think a lot of people are looking at this as like an opportunity for maybe some self reflection. And obviously yeah. you're, you're probably isolating with your family and you're getting to spend time. With your kids. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's not a good thing. I don't know. I've seen a lot of jokes on Instagram about divorce. I know that. And we're we're less than a week well, into there, it.
0: <laughs> there was some study in Wuhan, uh in Wuhan where this where they were the first to sort of have this. There was a study that that the divorce rate went up significantly. I mean, I think it's a it's a joke, but it's also what I hope what I hope one thing I hope can sort of happen from this, you know, they people joke about uh what a Shakespeare wrote something during, uh, the plagues. We wrote, we wrote one of his sort of classics during the plagues. I forget what it was. You can look it up after the fact, but there is a, there is an argument that this is a, uh, you know, this is a time for creativity for people, both in these industries and not, you know, if you've always sort of wanted to write or write music or, uh, do something that you feel like with your work, you haven't been able to do. Now you're like locked in the house. You have no, there's no excuse. You know, like this is your chance to try it. Are you cooking?
1: I'm mean, at cooked. I I I've cooked for like the last two weeks. Like we basically realized two weeks ago this was going to be like something, and so yeah, we like started doing like meal planning where we could like have food for like you know we would make like a huge pot of rice and some pulled chicken and get av- get avocados and sweet potatoes and we'd make like rice bowls like that. I think I'm supposed to cook tonight. Actually, we have. We bought, two weeks ago, we bought a few frozen fillets from Whole Foods. Yeah. Can
0: we talk about, I, I think it's ending now, but can we talk about the social distancing in general? You know, we there was a, there was a period earlier in the week when we were, we were talking, we were thinking about having guests on to talk about it. I think at this point, everybody sort of knows what it is. The people in Florida on the beaches.
1: This, this phrase, this point, by it's the it's way, weird. can we just talk about this phrase? I had never heard this phrase before. And then all of a sudden like Friday you posted something on social media and I was like, social distancing. What's that? And I feel like I'm not, maybe I'm not as like out there on Twitter, but like I feel like I follow and read enough news that I'm like, what's this social distancing thing? That was not even a a full week ago. And now it's like, it's the word of 2020. It's it's not social distancing. It's, it's coronavirus. Although the way 2020 is treating us, it may be something (laughs) way shittier. And that's,
0: 2020 is really, it's really been off to a barn burner start.
1: Laughing. I'm not actually joking. I, I'm, I'm smiling because I'm uncomfortable with 2020.
0: I think everybody is. I think it's impossible to be. It, the, only, the only thing to acknowledge about this, so like the whole world is dealing with this. Yeah, You know what I mean? This is, not a, this is not an exclusively American problem, which has been the case in other obviously sort of like natural disasters and things like that. Everybody's dealing with it. But I don't think I would hope that nobody listening to the show is on a beach in Florida at the moment because I don't think they've closed down the beaches as of yet. But if you are, for whatever reason, if you if you're not taking this seriously, I would just advise you to talk to anybody else in your life about this. You know, forget going to the media. Forget going. Like it's all it, it's all very obvious at this point. You know, this is not a. I do think one interesting thing about this particular. And I'm curious what you think about this as someone who does not spend their life online. But one particular interesting thing about this phenomenon has been there's a whole thing, and this is a big thing in politics, uh, but I think in just sort of like the media in general and that Twitter is not real life and that the voices on Twitter are not uh, representative of what sort of normal people think. And so you you can't make – you can't draw conclusions off of what people on Twitter say. And while I think that's true, I I will say, as someone who spends more time on Twitter than you do, that people on Twitter were saying this was coming about three weeks ago. If you were just paying attention to what was going on, not just in China and South Korea, but what was going on in Italy and in Spain and other, other countries in Europe. And there was this very weird sort of disconnect. And obviously, this, even, this was even a case, the case with the president, uh, where there was there were people kind of like poo-pooing this thing and acting like it wasn't a big deal, wasn't a big deal, wasn't a big deal. And then other people were kind of pulling their hair out. And I, what I'm curious about is like how we can, we have to get through this right now, but how we can get to a point as a society where we can make things that matter like this cut through, while also not kind of like pulling our hair out about everything that happens and making ourselves in like a perpetual kind of panic state.
1: Is there any going back to where we would actually, we meaning people as a, as like our society would actually believe their government and believe the media? Because I feel like that's a large, that's a big reason why. In in what way? Well, this wasn't taken. This this could have been taken seriously in January. We knew we it knew. Have been, yeah, yeah, and so but and we're not. We meaning our Americans. There's a disconnect between what we hear from, let's say, our president and what we hear from the media and what we believe. And some of it is true coming from the media. Some of it is false coming from the president. Some of it is true coming from the government. Like there's, wh- wh- where is, where is like the real truth? Where is like the people that are, that are non-agenda actors?
0: Well, what I do feel like, and I, I this is not, this is – get back to the NBA for a second. I do think that the time that everybody – and I say everybody, I mean the vast majority of the country really started to take it seriously was last Wednesday when they canceled the season. Last Wednesday was like – I mean there will be documentaries about that day in particular because between yeah. the league saying the season is – between Rudy testing positive, the league saying the season is canceled – The president giving us a speech, which dropped the markets like an historic amount the second he started talking. Um, And then I think March Madness was the following morning. But I do think that people started to figure it out when stuff started getting canceled. Yeah, because it becomes a it becomes a much different conversation when it's like, oh, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Please stay inside versus, oh, no, uh, uh, this thing, this billion dollar uh, basketball tournament which happens every year and is sort of the highlight of everybody's march it doesn't exist. It's gone. Like it's not ha- not only are the are fans not going, like nobody is it, it's not happening in any way.
1: It's like them cancel it's like the entire country having Halloween, Thanksgiving and Christmas canceled.
0: There's been a lot of commentary about celebrities getting tested when doctors and things like that are not getting tested because there's obviously a lack of tests in the country overall right now um is do you do you have any sort of like reaction to that
1: i don't have a reaction to like the jazz like so a player from the jazz getting tested like figuring out a way to get tested like i wouldn't even i wouldn't even know how to get tested i would just like you know what i mean like i've had two friends in new york city that have have had symptoms that can't get a test they went to the doctor i'm having this i'm having this i think i have the coronavirus. I think I've, you know, COVID-19 and they can't, the doctor tells them to go home. We, 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 we can't test you. And I don't know if that's because they're young and healthy, or I don't, I don't know the reason why, but that's what they were told. So it's hard for anyone to get a test. Like, so if Rudy tests positive, let's say they do a one-off Rudy tests positive, then obviously I think they should test the entire traveling party specifically with like NBA teams. Like we're in multiple cities every week. We're coming to contact in an arena with, thousands of people when we walk out of the hotel room and we're signing autographs, like the daily. I was saying this to someone the other day, but like the daily interact, my normal daily interaction. If it's a non game day, I'm touching, shaking hands, talking to in close contact with hundreds of people every day, every day. And that's not even when I'm in New York city, I'm just in any place that I'm in. I'm, I'm touching hundreds of people on a game day. I'm, you know, it's probably close to a thousand and then you include yeah. all the people in the arena. So I think there there is some due diligence you have to do with NBA players because of that. If you're talking specifically about the Nets team, I don't know the whole like protocol with using a private company. So I can't really speak on that. But if their owner or their front office thought that was prudent to do that, then by all means, good for them. But I do understand people's frustration because i literally like i said i i have friends in new york city who think they have coronavirus and they can't get tested.
0: Yeah, and it's a the frustration is is right and uh, justified because it's a huge it's the biggest problem we face right now just as a country and it's the biggest difference between us and say south korea or even china is the is the lack of testing. The one other point i was going to make though is i do think in this and and for better or for worse this is probably not a great thing about society. But getting back to the Wednesday as being such a crazy day, I do think this thing also started to cut through when people saw, oh, hey, Rudy Gobert tested positive, or hey, Tom Hanks tested positive. Like it's not just old, sickly people with huge amounts of preexisting conditions who have this thing, and not to say that they are necessarily going to be uh, they're going to die from this or they're going to have to be hospitalized because of it. But in order for us to be able to do this in an effective way. We had to realize that anybody can have this thing and anyone can be a carrier of it. Well, that's the thing. I, so, think
1: I think it's more about you know being the carrier and exposing yeah. exposing people to the virus that maybe do have a pre-existing condition. Although I think it was either in the journal or the Times today, something like forty percent of patients that are have to be hospitalized because of this virus are between the ages of twenty and fifty-four, and something like Half of all patients in ICU because of this virus are under 65, so it's definitely a, something that's doing damage to younger people. It's not like yeah. younger people that are healthy or whatever, just you know, carriers of it. It, it, it can do some damage. I have a question because I, I again I'm not on Twitter, but like, what was the reaction online when it was announced that Kevin Durant tested positive?
0: I think I think the re- the reaction was not as people were not as shocked as they would have been three or four days ago because we're just realizing the scale of this. It's not that he was, you know, I we haven't talked to him, so. but knock on wood, he seems to be asymptomatic and he's not hospitalized from it or anything like that. Um, I think the thing which really shocked me and shocked, I think, a bunch of other people online was less about Kevin in particular and more that four out of 15 guys on that team have it, which tells you the scale of where this thing is where if you take a team like that and you have that percentage who are positive and obviously to your case, like they are probably at higher risk because of the amount of people they interact with you, we just have to shut this thing down because it's not a fluke thing anymore. uh, When you have that scale. And so it just shows you sort of where we've come as a society with this, even over the last like four or five days where first it was like, Oh my God, Tom Hanks has it. Oh my God. Idris Elba has it. Oh my God. uh, Rudy has it. Or Donovan Mitchell has it. And to so now, it's, I think, and I think it would not be surprising for anybody in any field to sit, come out and say that they have this thing. And so now it's more about just sort of like the mitigation of it and stopping it.
2: All right, pal.
1: Well, we, we, uh, we should jump to Duncan. Yep. I just want to make one note on Duncan. And I think I mentioned this during the interview, but wine that I was drinking with Duncan was the same glass of wine that i had with jimmy it, we were in the same room it's two different episodes but it's the same time period it's
0: literally the same time there was no difference jimmy was in the room while we were recording there
1: was one bottle that was open there were three of us because duncan didn't have any and then he hit eight threes against us the next night um jimmy also had a great game good for him and then you know I think it was just basically me, you, me, you and Jimmy, we each had a little bit of wine, but I, yeah. I just want to make that note. I just want to that yes. to be clear. I think That's a good, good note to be clear.
0: We're going to leave you now, but we'll be back soon. We're going to try doing some of these, uh, these conversations with different people who are holed up uh, from different fields over the next couple of weeks, players, chefs, business people, whoever. So if you guys have any thoughts, uh, hit us up on, on social who we should talk to. Should we do a weekly? I think we should I, do IG what
1: Lab just on the book.
0: Yes, I think we should do the IG Live on the book. So maybe we'll do that. Let's Uh, let's try to
1: shoot for one early next
0: week. Yeah, we'll figure out a day next week. So
1: we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on that. All right, let's get to our conversation with Duncan Robinson. I'm joined by a fellow podcaster, it turns out, Duncan Robinson from the Miami Heat. Duncan, I understand that you had a podcast while you were at Michigan.
2: I did, yeah. Uh, first off, appreciate you uh, having yeah. me on. Uh, was not to the level of this production. Um, I'm, I'm quite impressed by what you guys got going on here, but yeah, just a teammate of mine. Uh, we just kind of documented our run in the tournament, so it was, it was cool. How we many episodes little, did you do? I think we did about five. I think the challenge was like developing a, a consistent schedule. We were just kind of all over the place, because you know college, you have like class, practice, all sorts who, who of stuff. Who recorded it? Uh, we had, uh, I think we actually tweeted out somebody if they could like edit it and everything. And then some, some <laughs> guy <couldn't>... came through <laughs> um, and he he actually did a really good job. Like the production was pretty solid. Wait, so you did it during the tournament? Yeah. So that was like part of what kind of, why pretty, I got some notoriety. That's pretty sick Yeah. Actually. Cause we would like play a game and then we would, the next day we just like record and we'd like kind of give some insight on the game and um, where can I find these? They're they're on like the Apple Apple podcast. What's the name of the podcast? It's a, oh dear. Here we go. It's uh it's called the Doc and Dunk. I'm just show. trying to
1: plug your podcast. No, man. I mean it's dead at this point. I mean
2: it's you know we haven't we haven't recorded one in about two years. People so. will find it.
0: Would you bring? Would you, you do it, it again? It. I mean, uh, listen. If he falls off,
2: you know, we need. We're in the market for. No, like, I mean he's got a good thing going. Um, but uh, now know. maybe we'll see. I, I'm I'm trying to focus in on on, uh, on basketball at least to this stage of my career. So we'll see. Well, let's let's do some food stuff. Okay, let's do it. What do you got? Well, we were talking
0: when we were coming in about some of the stuff that you do on the road because you've been in the league now for two years, and you're in this place where, you know, you're, you have a lot of free time, you got some money, you're in all these different cities, you're trying to. We have a segment of the show called "Bored on the Road." where We just talk about like what you do, uh, when you're literally bored on the road. What's your process like, like when you land in a random city?
2: Uh, yeah, great question. Um, I'm, I've gotten big into like food restaurants and stuff. Um, Honestly, like, I'll, I'll just like pull up a, an app. Yelp is kind of my go-to. Actually, listening to this podcast, I, yeah. you, uh, showed me about infatuation. I didn't, I didn't know about that prior to this. So I appreciate that. Um, don't
1: go in the comments like him. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not at that level. Eater's, yet. I feel like infatuation gets a lot of plug on this podcast. So let's, pl- Eater's also good. Eater's another one. He's a Yelp here.
2: Yelp is an incredible resource. So I've actually, I've, I've heard He's some, some Yelp's polarizing writer. opinions on Yelp. I've, okay, th- yeah. that there's like not as much legitimacy as like, actual food critics because anybody can just like write a write a yelp review but it's proven to be pretty solid for me i also go off for recommendations i'll I'll ask somebody um if they like know the city well so and then i usually yeah i'll just like if i know somebody in the city i'll I'll meet up with them and we'll just grab a meal do you have a Um,
1: minimum star threshold for yelp is it 4.2 4.0 i try
2: to i try to get four and a half most times you can find a four and a half within walking distance um I, I like to walk because you get a better feel for the city too, versus like getting an Uber or taxi. What's or been like
0: the diamond in the rough find?
2: I went to this. Uh, this is kind of cheating because it was with Kelly, who's from Toronto, where I spent a lot of time in Toronto. But I went to this like omakase place in Toronto. Um, that was like it was like a block or two from the Shangri La Hotel. That was unbelievable. I wasn't necessarily expecting having like great sushi in Toronto, but if anybody could find it, it'd be it'd be Kelly.
0: We did a power ranking earlier uh, earlier today about top five meals under ten dollars so like all over the country so basically like we i had a sandwich today at turkey and the wolf which we reference number nine on this show today
1: the sixth straight <laughs> podcast that we talked about
0: but, this, but, but it doesn't count because it was eleven dollars yeah. so okay. we so we need it so we need we need some spots and they don't have to be spots for the last two years could be spots for your whole life that wherever you've had we're like, okay, it's a taco. It's a no. It's I was, pizza. I was
2: actually going to say, I got a great one for you. Uh, the taco stand in Winwood in Miami. Oh, um, incredible! You've, you've had it, incredible. So everybody loves Coyo Taco. That's yeah. like the one everyone wants to go to. The
0: no, taco stands better. But
2: taco stands is, I think, better. That's kind of like my spot. I live like right by there too, so it's it's easy to get to. Do you live in Winwood? Uh midtown, so nearby. Yeah. What's your Miami? What are your main takeaways of the city? Basketball side. Um. It was a lot, honestly, when I first got there. Um, you know, I'm from New Hampshire, grew up in New Hampshire, (laughs) went to school in the midwest, so like Miami just felt like a whole different uh whole different world, quite honestly. Um, so it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but now that I've like kinda gotten used to it, I mean the weather obviously first and foremost is like unbelievable. But like the restaurant scene has has been huge too. I think like I I'm not like I don't really go out like that in terms of like clubs or whatever. So I try to just like stay away from the Miami Beach in general, but I'm a big fan.
1: I just want to point out that I'm not drinking on back-to-back episodes. We are recording this right after for the YouTube viewers. We're recording this right after we did Jimmy and I'm working on the same glass of wine, but so I don't, I don't, I don't want our our YouTube viewers to think that uh this is what we do now on the podcast. Of course it's not. Def- no, definitely not. It's
0: definitely not what we do.
1: Definitely not. <laughs> I remember when I got drafted, I was like, I'm going to Orlando. Like this is crazy. Such a big city. I, I can't imagine what it was like. Uh, preconceived notion of Miami.